is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number 82. I am your host, Joe Sebelia. This week, my guest is singer-songwriter Dusty Bow. Dusty got his career started when he moved from Kentucky out to Los Angeles with his band Bolt Action Thrill, and which had some pretty good success out there before disbanding. He then formed a band or joined a band called Future Villains, which uh, has a couple albums out. You can hear those songs on Spotify and probably YouTube. And then uh, Dusty decided to move back home as a solo artist. He has recently released his first solo album called The Vulture and the Fox. And uh, we talk about this album. We talk about his move to L.A., his move back, and everything in between. Dusty and I have been trying to line this conversation up for a few months now, and I'm glad it finally happened at the release of his new record, The Vulture and the Fox. Make sure you check out that record on Spotify, and make sure you uh, visit our YouTube channel, Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, where you can see a video version of this conversation. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. All right, Dusty, so welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Yeah, yeah. You've got a new album out called The Vulture and the Fox, right? Yes. Just yes. came out, what, a week ago? Yes, a week ago tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last Thursday, yeah. Nice. How Crazy. exciting is this? It's very exciting, man. It's my first um it's my first full-length album as a solo artist. And it's my first full-length nice. album I've <clears throat> I've even been on since 2011. So oh, wow. yeah, which is pretty nuts to think about. Maybe 2010, actually. It's been, it's been, it's been around either that 10 or 11, but yeah, it's been, it's been a while. So very happy. Wow. So now this, let me get this straight. So you released two EPs prior to this, correct? I did. And they had some songs that are on the album. Correct. Correct. And why did you choose that route? Um, kind of so we didn't like just shoot all of it out at one time, you know, and, and just to give more give us more time to push it as much as we could and get the streams up as much as we could and just like spread the word about it, you know, because once it's, once it's out, it's out. And we wanted to get on as many playlists as we could. And we, we got on a bunch, I think throughout the whole process of it all, we got on over like 150 playlists and stuff, which was cool, you know, as an independent artist, that's really, it's ain't too bad. And, um, but yeah, it was mainly just so we could, I guess, like you could say milk it for as long as we could. Sure. Put sure, out a sure. single or two and then boom, here's the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how many new songs are on this that weren't on the EPs? Three. There's three tracks that were not released before the EP. So so Vulture was Vulture was the hard rocking songs and then fox was kind of like the ballads right you know and then um vulture and the fox is the collection of them plus three more i think it's three more because vulture had four fox had three am i losing my mind (laughs) that's okay we all lose our minds oh oh that's what it was okay yeah yeah so uh, as far as the songs on on the EPs vulture did only have four songs. Fox had three. And then I released two singles after that ready. And then nor- uh, ready. And then no one else. And then the album came out. So 
as far as the EPs go, that was only seven. That was only half of that, the full album. Okay. But we did put a couple singles afterwards to promote the full album. Now I'm remembering it correctly. I see. I see. Apologize. Okay. What's this, so, Nicole? Sorry. And it's just like a, uh, what's this, like a, a concept album, I think, right? It is. Correct. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's all based around, it's all based around things that happened to me um, from basically the time that I moved to Los Angeles when I was 21. I moved out there with a band and, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, they're symbolic and, and, and things that happen, you know, like, cause it's all, it's all represented interpreted by a, a, a gunfighter in the wild mm-hmm. west like that. So that's his, and so his name's Fox, which is where, you know, the vulture and the Fox vulture is the name of his horse. Fox ah. his name and um so all the it's all all the things that he runs into you know he um kind of gets caught up with these you know he, he he comes in the town making making all this noise and gets caught up with this you know the wrong crew of people and um and then wild things start happening you know have you always been a fan of the wild west i have honestly have uh, yeah i mean i, I i'm not like I'm not like um, a major, you know, history buff about like the, the American frontier and stuff. But I mean, is and I can probably this probably happened to a lot of kids. But I mean, Davy Crockett was like one of my first right. like, guys. <laughs> I had I had the raccoon hat, and um, you know, I was all you know. And I, I even when I was I was in this. That's funny. I never actually don't think talked about this. Um, I, when I was in the second grade, after I saw. Second, yeah, second grade. After we saw my parents and um, we watched The Last of the Mohicans, which I was probably too young to watch that movie at the time, but they were yeah. cool about that as a youngster. And uh, I wanted to be a Native American. So I like next time I got a haircut, I had her shave me a mohawk. <laughs> and like I had like this feather that I'd hung hang out of the back of it when I'd go to school. Nice. Yeah. So I've, I've always been really into like the whole, you know, cowboys and Indians, but also just, um, yeah, like the, the, uh, the, my dad, I grew up listening to my dad talk about taking me and our family out West Mm. one day and we did. And first time I went out there, I was a sophomore in high school and I was like, I'm going to live here. (laughs) Where did you go? Where'd you go? Uh, the first time we went out there, we went to San Diego to actually, um, he won tickets to the Super Bowl, which was an insane thing. Really? Um, through his work, he sold cars. And then one of the things, one of their like bonuses or incentives was whoever sold the most cars got two tickets to the Super Bowl. So he got what? those. Yeah, it was crazy. It was when the uh, the Raiders and the Buccaneers played. Oh, no, that's my team, the Bucks. Oh, cool. That's yeah. who I was rooting for because everyone else was rooting for the Raiders. My whole family <laughs> was rooting for the Raiders. I was like, I'm gonna root against. <laughs> so I had like I got like the whole Buccaneers tattoo or you know cheek tattoo or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And um, oh yeah, that was a that they destroyed them. They yeah. Did, did you go to the game? We did. We did. So okay. he, he won the two tickets and then he bought an extra. T- he was he's like. I'm going to bring the family, you know what I mean? So, um, we went and, uh, yeah, it was incredible. It was like, I think Beyonce performed Celine Dion sting Michelle Branch. Like the, it was, it was a Santana was part of the halftime show. Like it was, it was wild. Yeah. Does it yeah. feel like a, as big as it seems like it is? Oh, dude, when you're there much bigger, much because they had, they had, they, they have like the whole, I think they did it the whole week of, if not, it was the entire Super Bowl weekend. 
they had like they take over the whole town they had all these things like you know interactive games and stuff you could like you know throw to these moving like dummy bags and stuff and um yeah there was just it it was inflatable things and statues it was like a a, a giant pop-up bar but the size of downtown san diego right that's awesome it was a blast man yeah so that was my first time going out there. And then we went out, we went out there, I think the next year, or maybe it was two years later, we went out there and we did like Los Angeles, Monterey, mm. San Francisco, um, Orange County. Like we went, we kind of did all a, a good amount of Southern California okay. Um, okay, for the next one, which was cool. Cause that was like, you know, getting to see, the, the sunset strip and like Hollywood Boulevard and all that stuff for the first mm-hmm. time. It was very, very much even sealed the deal more. I was like, I'm, I'm going to live here as soon yeah, as I can. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so back to the concept. So when you started going into making this record or started writing for it, did you always want to have it be a concept album or did it just make it that way along the way? No, not, I mean, so it kind of, I had I had a couple songs that um you know Bandit which is about a guy you know robbing a train and um and then I was actually I was I was used to live with one of my best friends right when I moved back to Kentucky his name's Mark Roberts and he he we would write songs together he wrote he was a co-writer on No One Else one of the singles like I put out the ballad and uh we he's really big into spaghetti westerns like tombstone is his favorite movie <clears throat> and so we were watching i think it was either tombstone or wide earp or or maybe it was deadwood or something he if there was some some kind of western film was on and i was like man it would it would be cool to write like a series of songs like three songs and it'd be about like this town in the wild west or something and then um when i went back to revisit bandit and then um this other song that i had burn me which is also on the album it it all and then these other songs i was writing um together as well like it all it just kind of started it started clicking with me like how it could work you know like Mm -hmm. there were certain you know i you know and and then like i uh I would, the whole thing was like, how am I going to portray this? And that's when it came to the drawings and, you know, me wanting to have it kind of like illustrated and animated see. in order to film, you know, gunfighters in a Western town and all that stuff. It's, you know, it's a right. half million dollar right, right. cinematic feature. Yeah. But, yeah. So did you, um, did you write the whole story out before you wrote the lyrics? I did not. I did not. So that, that was kind of a thing. Like it all, it all kind of, it all kind of pieced together, you know, just as this, you know, uh, very unorthodox. So it was, you know, like we had, I had bandit and I had throw it. I had about half of the songs complete before I started putting them together with the storyline and like, um, and like when 
Yeah. So no, I, yeah. And, and that, that was kind of, you know, part of the thing with, with, with the other, the songs that hadn't been in there yet, they kind of filled in the gaps, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they kind of were, were what, you know, I hadn't written about and in, in these things. And, you know, obviously like there's some things in there that, that didn't really like, that couldn't happen. They were just, they were represented about with how, I don't even know how to really explain it. They were, they were part cliffhangers or not cliffhangers, but like uh, things that would revolve around the people that I was involved with. Like I never robbed mm-hmm. a train, mm-hmm. right. You right, know, I never right. like gotten this gun gunfight with the conductor on that train and this, that, and the other, but that person represents someone that I, see. I know, you know, and like mm-hmm. then the person that had me that hired him to draw, to rob the train represents another person I know. So there was, you know, yeah. yeah so yeah. no, the, the, the short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so how long did it take you to write this were you, have you been writing a long time for this for the um like uh, the songs like the songs oh yeah. okay. so some of the songs actually like um one of them i've i've had since like 2011 so like they were there is that's that's part of the whole there's 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 more like there's other universal depths to it as far as like the whole meaning of the vulture and the fox is is kind of me like since it's my debut album and you know there was things that happened prior that like or with projects prior to where we were working on albums they never came out and it was like it was my like i said it's my first mm-hmm. album since um 2010 or 11 um i i, I kind of want to say it was 2010 anyways long know- time no released it on September 11th mm. um, the, at the Viper room was where we played. Um, that band was called bolt action thrill, but anyways, um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of me finding myself and having the courage to do it all on my own, you know, like to not need a band. Cause I never wanted to be a solo artist. Like I, you know, I, I wanted, I always wanted to be a guitar player in a band. I didn't want to be a singer, but no. I started singing because, you know, I couldn't find one, but it took as far as like, I'd say other than that song. And then one other song I had written around 2014, other than those two, the, the, the rest of it, you know, it, it was, it was over the course of six years. They were just songs oh, wow. that I had. They were songs that I had that like, it's like this would be cool in this part you know this would be this would go good with it too and um also coming coming to like when i was going over the concept i was going through all pretty much every song i had never i've never released with a mm-hmm. band or anything i've ever i'd ever written i'm like okay this would be this would be cool here you know because this was like how this happened and so yeah there's there's a lot of uh depth to it that that not most people honestly only like to know all the details there's in like very, very back behind the curtain of everything. There's probably less than 10 people. I know that would actually get it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like as far before that, that's listening to it. And like, you know, before it's all explained uh, through the, anim- the, the videos, which are fully yet to come only bandits out, but the rest of them will be out one day. We're just, you know, takes time. Yeah, yeah. You write, you doing videos for all of them? 
Yes, at least the wow. first. The plan is the plan is now is to get. I want to get it all the way up until um, up until the red, which is pretty much halfway through the album, and mm-hmm. that's kind of when um, that's kind of at, at this a big turning point because that's when that's when Fox, the character, he actually gets he gets killed in a gunfight with all the, he gets in this big firefight and then, but he ends up coming back to life and that through that song, mm-hmm. through that song, that's kind of when he's like, you know, he gets, he gets saved by this girl and his horse at the same time. And like, you know, or, you know, the ho- ho- this, his horse finds him and brings him to this girl and she kind of aids him back to life and, and whatever. And then it's kind of almost like this Rocky Balboa thing of him, like, you know, kind of getting better and getting ready to go find the guys yeah. that killed him and, Anyway, so it, to get back to that question, I I think what's going to happen now, just after learning how long it took for the to, for the first video, we're going to do the first half, and I'm try, I'm going to try to get those done within the next two years. The first half, wow, because wow. it's just it's a lot like writing, you know. And cheers to anyone that's listening that does like screen story writing and or screenplays and like storyboarding like because going through and writing what happens down to like the half second yeah you know timing it with the way you want it i never i had no idea as far as all that goes and like wanting to like okay this is you know it's the same exact shot but like this is what's happening and like this is the angle you go towards and it's it's wild it took me so it took me so much longer to write just the storyline for the bandit video alone than it probably did to write all the songs. Wow. Are you like, doing it, it was, yourself? I am. I, and I, I've had some, I've had a few friends kind of throw thing, things here and there, but like it all was, like I said, it was all things that kind of happened to me. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of portray it my own way. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's cool. It takes up a lot of my time, but it definitely keeps sure, me busy. Sure. I'm yeah. sure it does. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit to when uh, you um like when you first started playing. What were some of your influences and what got you into playing music? Sure. Um first big influence was Jimi Hendrix. Was that guy right there? Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh he was my first hero as far as um musically well i guess yeah superhero or superman was my first hero but um (laughs) i don't think he played any instruments no no he probably could have though actually superman he would have just snapped all the (laughs) right off the guitar um but it was um so for my seventh for my when i was seven years old for christmas my parents got me a guitar and they got my brother a cd player and they got him the Highway to Hell record, a 10 years after record, and then Wayne's World, the Wayne's World one soundtrack. And so I, whenever my brother wasn't in the room, or even when he was, sometimes he would play his, you know, we, we he or I would put one of his CDs on and I would like act, play along with it and this, that, and the other. So my first, the first like music I started like playing to was was ACDC and then like, you know, Queen and stuff like that. Then my dad had some other records and, but influences definitely Hendrix and Led Zeppelin were big. Um, 
you know, I grew up listening to all things classic rock. My dad has was he was, you know, Stones, Beatles, um, and all that. Mm-hmm. Skinner, yeah, like like the it was. I think the the earliest album or the most recent out, like he he didn't have anything newer than like the Black Crows or the, mm-hmm. or Pearl Jam. Like it would like early early nineties rock was the newest stuff that I knew of. But he never, you know. Um, but then again, like I, you know, I, I hadn't. He wasn't into. He wasn't super into ACDC. He had Highway to Hell and Back in Black. Remember that? But there was there's so many other albums that they right. have. I found out about later. But like as far as like GNR and Crew and you know Judas Priest and you know Iron Maiden, all this stuff that I started getting into later, he wasn't into that as much. He was strictly kind of like classic blues rock, you I know, bluesy classic rock. Yeah. And you grew up in where? Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, where okay. I currently live, actually. What's that? That's actually that's where I live now as well. Oh, so that's where you're at. Yeah, that's why I'm here now. Yeah. Okay. How was yeah. it? How was the scene in Kentucky? It was, it was interesting. Like one of, I mean, it, it was good, but it was like it wasn't for. You know, we wanted. We were a really like the band that we that I moved out with. We were very much like in your face, like just supercharged rock, you know, just mm-hmm. very much. We wanted, we wanted to be guns and roses and crew. Like we wanted to be sure, like, a, sure. just kind of this dirty, um, you know, young, stupid rock and roll. <laughs> and, and we were, we had a lot of fun and we actually did some really cool things too. But like um, we, we left, you know, it, it was, we, we were getting some love in the city, you know, for the most part. And we, we, we only played, we were only a band for like, as far as when we, the, the, that current um, band or lineup or whatever, we were only really together for like six months as that band before we made the call that we wanted to, to go. Cause it was like, I wow. knew we needed to either hit the road you know, we needed to get out of the town regardless and either hit the road or move somewhere. And it was like, we'd go to Nashville or we knew there was a scene in New York and like maybe Detroit, you know, or, or LA and like going, like I said, you know, I had, I just had always wanted to go there and like, especially like reading like the back, you know, credits on records and stuff being yeah. how it was recorded out there and all that. So I was like, and then just knowing the history of the strip, it was, you know, and, um, now, yeah, did, you, so did, I, did yeah. you know people out there when you made that decision? We, I only knew, we only had, a, I, I didn't personally know anyone. We had, my brother had a friend out there and then our guitar player, Luke, well, guitar player, another singer. He also had some friends there and some family there. And then so did our drummer. Um, so we, 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 we kind of had some people to like hang with and stuff when we first got out there, but I personally did not. And that was actually something that was, that was like a weird thing for me too, is like going somewhere. I mean, uh, thankfully I had my band and my brother was actually with me too, but no. So me, me and me and one other guy didn't really, didn't really have any contacts out there, but a few of us, a few of the other guys did. So that was very helpful. Yeah. So how how long were you out there before you started seeing some success with it? 
Was it, got, was it a tough sell or no? Or was it pretty quick? No, man. We got the ball rolling really quickly. Like, are we, we were there for like two weeks before our drummer. We, it was such a, I remember it, it was like it was yesterday. We came home. I came home from work and uh, our drummer had booked us a show at the whiskey. And we had been there for two weeks and it was like, we were like, how? <laughs> We had no, well, well and it, like, I'm not, not to downplay it. Cause it's still a very cool thing, but we just, we were, it just shot our confidence up. We were like, sure. Holy shit, we got book. We got a gig at the whiskey. Like, <laughs> and so, um, and it was a great day and it was a great, great, great time. Like, um, you know, and, and so we, we, got in there and like they had they got us the pay to play thing we were we were happy to do it we were just so pumped to be playing the whiskey and whatever so the first show we sold we brought like almost 50 people to our first gig there which is a lot you know for your your first i mean that's a good that's a good that's a good pull for any unknown band really any local show so we like 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 i said fortunately we had some friends and stuff and or uh, you know a, a good batch of people and they like it just everything aligned perfectly. They had other friends visiting and cousins and family. So like we just sold all these tickets and um, the whiskey loved us. So they of course wanted to book us, you know, they wanted us wanted to book us some more because we were out there hustling. So we played like, I think we played three shows at the whiskey within the first like two months of being there. That's amazing. So it was very cool, but it was also something that was like, we were really spreading ourselves thin because one, you know, we were only hit, playing this one venue, but we were hitting hitting it hard, establishing that relationship, which was very important because it honestly that, and I can get to that in a minute too. It ch- changed my life. Selena Dinkins, who is the booking agent there, like I have so so many, so much to thank, be be thankful for, be because of that one woman. But we became, and she, this was her call too. We we got we got. um picked to be the featured artist of the month for the whiskey. And what, then, what does that mean? Uh, they put you in like the, um, they put you in, what do they call it out there? What is the uh, LA weekly and LA weekly. So wherever they're the whiskey would have an ad in there every week. And they would have like their, some of their big shows they had coming up and it would have their featured artist of the month. So we got it within like nice. the months of being there, which was really cool. That's something that will, always always be able to you know uh remember and be proud of but selena she was the one who introduced me or she got us she was like as a good booking agent should do she's like here are the bands you guys need to play with here's who would you know you would get along with and what kind of people you want to play in front of and there was this band called cast of kings and um she you know she was like check these out and there was a few other bands in the and so we checked out all of them and the cast of Kings. It was like, man, they just had such great songs, great recording. It was like way beyond what we had um, sonically and professionally sounding. And so we were like, we want to be on that bill. So we got on with them and we, fortunately we, we were an opening act. We weren't, we played before them. Mm-hmm. because the way a lot of times they do it at some of these whiskey or not whiskey, but some of the Hollywood shows they'll have the headline. They'll, they will, 
unless it's a big, big headlining band, they'll have like, sometimes they'll put the, the sweet spot won't be the very last spot. It'll be like the 11 o'clock and then there's yeah. still a night band, you know, so you got yeah. more people or whatever. Yeah. We used to do those kind of shows. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Where, where, where about were you? We were based out of Florida. Okay. But, but when it was our shows, we always requested the 10, 30, 11 o'clock slot. That's we, didn't want to, we didn't want to go first or we didn't want to go last. You know, yeah. we wanted the middle spot. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So anyways, Cast the Kings, that was like once we got in with them, we became really good buddies with them. And their producer ended up doing recording, you know, our record. And um, and that was just kind of like that's where really all we 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 became part of the community, part of the music community there once we befriended that band and like you know, we just met a lot of other people and just, they had jam nights and, you know, this cover band called the lonely drunks club band where we'd all get together and different members, <laughs> of different bands, original bands would get together and play cover songs, you know, and That's fun. it was a blast, man. And yeah. It was like the coolest networking thing. And just, we played every Saturday at the cat club. I don't know if you ever, it was right next to the whiskey. I've never been there. I mean, I've been oh. out there, but not to the cat club. Okay. Yeah. It shut um, down seven or so years ago. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. speaking of the jam nights, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos of you online in these ultimate jam nights that they used to have, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, how did that work? You just show up or did you have to get invited? <laughs> yeah. So um, it wasn't just a show up thing. It was It was like a, um, it was, and don't get me wrong, there would be times where you would show up and they'd be like, hey, can you, you want to do this, you know, so-and-so bailed or, or, you know, can you help out with backing vocals or whatever? Mm-hmm. It was a rare thing. Usually it was always, it was very, excuse me. It was very, very well um, organized and produced. And, um, but it was, it started off, it was only supposed to be like two or three nights. It started off. It was Matt star from, he plays for Ace Freely and Mr. Big. And then Chuck Wright, who was with quiet riot, Gilby Clark, gnr and then i can't remember who the other there was another there was another guy that was like part of the the core house band that was only supposed to do like might have been two nights it was at least two if not three nights they were going to do and then they had such a good turnout they were like let's keep this going so it became a weekly thing and i got invited because one of our our guitar player one of our one of the guitar players that was in a band i was in future villains he he was in with the crowd i can't remember how he got in with i think it was with gilby or somebody and then um he was invited to play and then he you know got got me into because yeah so it was that was that was a great thing too that was a lot of fun okay and then somewhere along the way you became friends with chuck wright yeah and then got kind of a kind of an audition with quiet riot Kind of, yeah, <laughs> that I didn't even know about, which was which was um, cool. I kind of had a feeling because Chuck was uh, he asked he said Frankie R.I.P. Um, was uh, was um, coming to play and he wanted to do Metal Health, Bang Your Head, and then um, Back in Black, and I was like, I kind of. I was like, I'm, I'm good to do back and black, but I don't know if I can, like, if I got time to learn, you know, another song, I was like, that's a pretty, it's a pretty wild one too. And you know, it's vocally demanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like, well, 
are you sure? He's like, you're going to be playing with, you know, two original members. And, you know, and I was like, and I, at first I, 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 at first I was almost like taking it as like a pressuring thing, but then I was like, hang on, maybe he's seeing like, maybe he's seeing how good I can sing one of his songs. Mm. <laughs> and, um, cause is, you know, I guess Frank, Frankie was the guy, you know, the boss, as Chuck would say, sure. of the band it was the one that kind of ran, ran the show. And, uh, I was like, cool. And I'm so glad I did it. Cause it was really, really awesome. And like, um, yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite moments, the jams ever for sure. Yeah. That's gotta but, be a blast playing with those guys that you yeah. listen to. Yeah, man. And, and Mitch, Mitch Perry was actually playing guitar on that with us too. And he's, he was one of my favorite guys to watch too because i didn't know much about him until i started going to those jam nights and him playing with like edgar winter and lita ford and he is just so good like he mm-hmm. can one of those guys that can just legit play anything from i've seen him play jeff beck songs to kiss to metallica like whatever dude like he can he can do it all mitch perry is a monster monster guitar player Okay. So it yes. sounds like things were going pretty good for you out there. Why did you go back to Kentucky? Uh, so a lot of reasons, um, you know, uh, within about, within about six months I had, so the whole, pretty much the whole time I was out there, I had this, this day job. <clears throat> that was a great job. And, uh, I had a great relationship. What were, with my what were you doing? I was taking pictures of cars for this, for this big, huge auto group, um, that, so it was like, it was, it was great. I got, I made my own schedule. I worked out in the California sunshine all day and listened to music Didn't have to deal with customers and was just taking pictures of cars. It was, yeah, it was great. So, and then it allowed me also to have the flexibility to, if I needed to go on tour or play gigs or take off or whatever. So um, so lost that job with this, this all happened between 2017 and 18, lost that job. And then me and my lady split up band broke up and I got a DUI all within like (sighs) six months. So it was like my world crumbled, (laughs) you know, It did. And then it was like one of those things that where I had, I had been out there for so long and I was, I missed family, you know, and like the last, I was the last couple times I had come home. I was like, there's just more time in the day here. You know, like there's just, there's, there's so you spend half your life in LA in traffic. Like you do, like, it's not a, it's not an exaggeration. Like you spend so much time driving and waiting in lines or whatever. And, uh, and I knew, I knew I could come back. It was either stay in LA and find some full-time job that I didn't want to do. And, still try to, you know, keep music going, you know, and like, cause I was gigging a good amount, like not enough to make a living, you know, like mm. to gig to, you would legit have to play at least, you'd have to play at least seven times a week. You know, you'd have to probably, you yeah. know what I mean? Like for, for, I shouldn't say that for, for most cases, like, you, you know, it, it's, it's tough to get, to get good pay out there out here in Kentucky. I knew of some people, you know, some people and like just some of the rates that I had gotten from when I'd come home and do solo shows or shows with my band. I was like, 
I knew I could come back here and make a living playing. And that was a big part of it. I was like, I've, I've put in the time, you know, done the whole work, the job, and then, and then do the, you know, the musician thing at night. And I was like, I don't, I want to play. I want to have full, as much dedication in my life to music as possible. So that was a big part of it. And it's also the scene out there kind of fell to shit, Mm. you know, and, um, venues started getting taken down to be have be hotels be built over the properties and like it was just so expensive it's like and and the other thing too it's you don't need to be in a place like that like yeah there's a lot of industry lots of players and i miss that but you know miss being around the players and so many like-minded people but as far as recording and all this stuff goes like louisville's right down the street from nashville and louisville's got some great studios here too Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so there was a lot of stuff there was obviously that whole thing with all those things that have major life changing events but you know and mostly it was just also just kind of time to get out of there man am i happy i did when i did yeah you feel you you made the right decision oh man yeah like especially now like even before the whole pandemic thing hit because Mm -hmm. almost everybody almost all my good friends, at least that were living like kind of in the city, they've, they've either gotten most of them, not all of them, but uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's very, very tough there now from what I've heard. How long have you been back? I came, I moved in uh, August of 2018. So okay, this will be four years. Okay. Right. Yeah. Not too long. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So when yeah. you came back, did you decide to do a solo project or were you going to form another band out there? Back oh, well, you know, that was actually another part of it too. I'm sorry. I forgot. I had started doing, I had decided I had, I had become a solo artist right before I made that decision. Okay. So I, I, I think I released my first To late 2017 was when I made the decision. I came. I was. It was on a trip when I came back home, and like got with. I was hanging out with my good friend Mark Roberts, who I mentioned earlier, and another good friend, an old band member from Bolt Action Thrill, Luke Powers, and we all got together one night. And I was playing them these songs because they're like, "What have you been writing lately?" And so I showed them, and they were like, "Why don't you do this?" <laughs> but you don't need a band. Like you can play, you can sing, you can write. Like whenever you need a band to play with you, just hire some guys to play. And I was like, you know, I thought about it. And they were like, just do it, you know, because like, and I'm very happy I did because it's, I miss the whole band aspect of things, but it's really nice. Kind of like, I'm the only person that can screw this up for myself really. Right. You know? And like, also it's just, I can move things along. I can put together this weird concept album without <laughs> having to worry about running it through anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So. W- was that a scary thing for you? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying at first. Cause I was like, you know, for the last, the last six years, I was just kind of known as this like heavy metal singer. And then, heavy metal, hard rock, whatever. But like when I started the project originally, it was a country thing because when the, the songs that I had shown my friends and most of the stuff that I was writing at the time were all Southern rock, Southern rock, borderline country. So we made it just because made it as country artists. Cause it was just simplified instead of trying to be like this, that, and the other. And a lot of, 
what people consider country nowadays is pretty southern rock and roll yeah you know? yeah, yeah you, you know really so country. yeah and so the, um that was kind of a strange thing going from being like this you know uh <laughs> satanic kind of fucking <laughs> <laughs> just screaming to the top of my lungs to sing in these like real just kind of chill you know soothing songs and and whatnot <laughs> it was it was a big change for sure and it, yeah. all, it was also like taking it all on like hire figuring out which people to hire to play with me and then like you know funding all of it on my own it wasn't mm-hmm. i was you know one quarter of the of the bank how was the whole bank and um uh but but also just like being on stage not with people that i had like spent at that point years with but like you know even when we were you know with bands usually like when a band gets together you you're typically in a room for months before you get in front of a crowd mm-hmm. Like at least a couple, I would say, you know, for at least in my experience, like, you know, I, I was, you know, you're kind of woodshedding it with the guys, but like with this, it was like, okay, well, I got to hire you and pay all you for your rehearsal time too. So it was like, we had, I could only afford to do like one rehearsal and they were great players. Like it, mm-hmm. the, the shows would go over well. Cause a lot of this, you know, if you can chart read and sight read and stuff, you know, people can, there's some, some, some crazy talented folks out there, but, uh, but yeah, so it was definitely scary. This is scary at first. Okay. Sure. Now, um, now you're doing a solo. This is your solo record, but do you mm-hmm. have a backing band that you that you have with you? I do. We have, I, and we just play as a trio. You know, okay. um, um, guy, uh, bass player here named Alex Roberts, and then my drummer's name is Justin Shaw, and um, they're both really, really skilled and you know also good a good hang which is you know just as important you know and uh um it's 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 tricky to pull off though as far as like it's it's just a trio you know with certain songs like songs like the red or um find me and uh those are kind of like the ones that I guess we, we, we were, were the trickiest to, to mess with because there's so much, there's a lot of studio magic, not magic. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, lot of, a lot of layers to it. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. find me's got like this whole backing chorus and it's, or, you know, or back backing vocals with like these women that sound like, you know, or it's one girl, but it sounds like there's a whole choir of women singing and then there's keys and like, which mm-hmm. are part of that song. And, you know, so trying to fill in those gaps, but for the most part, it's great. Cause it's like, I've never played as a trio before, at least original with original stuff. And I really love it because it's like, you got one guitar level, one bass, the drums, and mostly just one vocal other mm-hmm. than when they come in for backing vocals. And it's like, you know so but yeah it's 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 more pressure but it's also like less to worry about less malice to feed and less you know schedules to work around and Mm -hmm. so i I really like it now are these the guys that recorded on the album with you not the last one no they will on the next one and they do so then the next album technically is already recorded and will be released early spring um it's a live EP that we did at a, at a studio here in Louisville called La La Land. Great, 
great studio um, that's a mile and a half from me that I didn't even know about a year ago. Literally didn't know it was there. And nice. uh, uh, they, but I had, I hadn't even met my bass player until after I recorded everything. My drummer, I knew him, but the way things worked with this record is my producer, Michael Esser. He also is a fantastic drummer. So when we were in there, I was like, Hey, I want you to play drum. You know, before, before we went in there, I was like, Hey, by the way, I'm, it's just going to be pretty much me and you. I want you to play drums on it. And he was like, great. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And you yeah. played all the guitar. I played almost all of it. Um, the only stuff that I didn't do was the Dobro um, slide guitar on words don't mean much. And then there's a couple rhythm things that I didn't do on burn me and bandit, but pretty much the rest of it. Yeah, I did. Did you whistle in the red or was that? Yeah. Was that real whistling? Yeah, it was. It was hard you're, you're, to get You're that. a talented motherfucker. You know that? <laughs> thanks man i don't know that, anybody who could whistle like that i'm I'm, th- I'm listening now i'm like that's not real no it was and like and we that honestly it was like it took us a long time to get it to get that take and it's almost impossible to do that live you know because <laughs> well, i haven't tried it with actually i need to get one of those axel rose windscreens to put on top of it because it's just you know and it picks yeah, up yeah, so yeah. much in in the in the especially going through a PA system. It's like, you can hear the breath more than you can the actual note. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so were you now, I know we still have a pandemic uh, kind of getting yeah. worse in a lot of places. Um, what's your plans for touring and stuff, man? That's what we're working on now. Me and my, my, um, my publicist and manager, she, um, you know, we're, we're, we're getting together. We got a bunch of promo discs, actually. I'll send you one, Joe. Yes. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll nice. mail you one, but these, these, these won't be going to anybody. They're not for sale or nothing. So, but we're going to be sending out a bunch of these, um, to, uh, you know, radio stations and different, different venues and, and just places that I want to play and then get in certain markets. And then also, booking agents and and people but we um and then we're you know we're not we're not just gonna shoot them physical mail we'll be reaching it and she's got some some people lined up to talk to that are interested but we um just gotta see what's a good fit and Mm -hmm. and we actually had a meeting yesterday about like the markets that i've been doing well on spotify and it was funny to see like atlanta and then uh new york which was cool because like i just it's places that you wouldn't you know, you, I, I don't look at that stuff often, like the analytics of where my songs are like getting played a lot and whatever, yeah. but cool with Spotify artists, you can actually see where your songs are getting played most, which is a great feature. Um, but, uh, how's South Carolina looking? Oh, actually. Yeah. That <laughs> That's where was I'm on, at. Oh, perfect. Actually. Yeah. South Carolina, um, Charlotte or is that North Carolina? That's North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. There what I want to say there was, I think it was Myrtle beach. That's where I'm at. If you, so if you come, let me know. I'll I will. I'll, will you, oh, you'll. You, yeah, for sure. We'll, and we'll. I'll get your. 
I'm going to need your mailing address to send you that CD. Um, but we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Cause I'm for sure, sh- I'm for sure going to get down that way. Worst case scenario for an acoustic tour. Cause mm. I got a friend that, that, um, can, book me a bunch of stuff in like the tampa bay and st petersburg area so Mm -hmm. i'll i'll at least make it down there on my own but i'm going to do everything in my power to get a tour or at least some shows booked there with my band but that that's priority one it's like since we got the record out it's like okay let's let's get me out on the road and i just bought a motorhome bought Uh, one bought one yeah i used one that very very used it's got, still you <laughs> bought one though i bought one that was my year in goal and um uh i actually worked a second job a day job on top of all my gig and just save up for it and finally i got it that's fantastic right yeah man thank you I'm, I'm very excited about it and um so that's what i want to do i want to i want to get you know um get out there and play as much as i can yeah yeah so where so this um this album the vulture and the fox is available digitally everywhere right digitally everywhere yes okay okay so physically go get that yeah okay. itunes anywhere you can download i think it's even this is funny i think it's even available on napster i didn't even know yeah. napster was a thing still until yeah. i was looking through all the platforms but probably won't have physical because I want to do vinyl. I'm going to do vinyl and then um, an actual physical CDs like for purchase. Um, those probably won't be out until, well, if whenever we get a tour that I'm going to need to get some. Yeah, for, I was going to say, but, I would assume you would have them if you're out on the road. Yeah, well, that, that, would, that would absolutely be a thing. But as far as, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to have to rush to get it but at the same time it's like i don't want to be sitting on a stockpile of <laughs> however many cds if i don't need them yet yeah but um anyways yeah they'll, they'll be they'll be available at the latest you know touring or no touring the, the latest i'd say summer okay you know yeah okay well nice all right dusty well listen man i appreciate you joining me this evening yeah i know where we uh we tried to get this to happen a few months back and it just couldn't happen, but I'm glad we finally got it. Yeah, man, it happens. It's it, all, it's all good. Um, it kind of worked well, out with the timing with your new release. It honestly did. It was a blessing in disguise, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you having me, Joe. Yeah, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. You take care. Uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, man. Sounds good. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the rock and roll and coffee show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.